Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and Back into the Hands of the Invisible Church Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Today we're going to be talking about some of my favorite people, the abolitionists and abolish human abortion. It's uh, concerning a video that I'll play for you here. The whole video is about 32 minutes long. I don't want to uh, play the whole thing for you, but I want to draw your attention to this kind of misunderstood concept of protesting and how most people in today's culture view protesting as kind of like Old Testament, but in the New Testament we don't see any of that. Um, and, uh, so, you know, you gotta be, you know, we go from, uh, solo scriptura to solo, um, Jesus and the apostles. We say, oh, the Jesus and the apostles, they didn't protest and stand outside places and yell at people, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, in this video, we have two women doing the work of, uh, taking no part of the inner workings of darkness, but instead exposing them. And they are confronted by a pastor and two of his, I guess, friends. I'm not sure who the other two guys are. And they engage in a very civil discussion. I'll give credit to the pastor for coming out and actually talking with them and having discussion. A lot of pastors in our culture will just actually flip the people off. Don't believe me, watch their videos. Um, but that's pretty much the only credit I'll give him uh, because it goes south really fast when he starts uh, giving his justification or his reasoning to why he's there in the first place. Um, the reason he showed up was because one of his parishioners was... I guess, uh, emotionally, uh, mentally uh, hurt by these two women who were uh, proclaiming the word of God boldly, that we need to repent of our apathy and uh, embrace the uh, full counsel of God and stand up for these unborn children and um, not only individually repent, but corporately repent. And I guess this woman was so shaken by this. I, I honestly, I, I don't even know how someone who is any has any sort of semblance to Christianity could be shaken by this. They should love the, to hear the word of God proclaimed. They should love to see people out there procla- proclaiming the words of Christ. And uh, I, I can't believe anyone would be shaken by this. I guess she felt that she was being targeted. Um. I, like I said, the wicked flee when number sue, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So what does that tell you about that feeling? Anyway, uh, it, it's understandable, maybe on some level, if you're not ready for it or something. You know, I, I don't know. This woman doesn't sound like a very strong Christian. I, I can't imagine. I don't know of any of my friends who I would call strong Christians. Uh, I can't imagine any of them being off or like shaking because somebody's outside protesting abortion and they and they addressed and they addressed you know them I, I just can't imagine them you know driving off their cars and calling their pastor saying I can't believe some people are outside protesting abortion so already this woman who called the pastor and complained to him about this is under under suspect and her opinion is 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 unbelievably questionable at this point. So the pastor comes out and he starts engaging with these two women, uh, these two wonderful women who, who very wisely and uh, clearly with much experience begin to explain to him the necessity for what they're doing. Let me play the video for you here. Uh, I'll play probably just a couple of minutes, but uh, you know, like I said, it goes south really quickly with the, what the pastor's saying. And um, here we go. Um, so I just got text messages from a member of my congregation who was at that yoga studio. Uh-huh. And Hi there. absolutely terrified because she said... Terrified? 
she she must she have seen our you, pictures. No, it wasn't about the pictures. She's pro-life, but she said she, you guys were yelling at her and filming them when they were coming out and telling them they weren't doing enough about abortion. Well, the thing is, when they were going in, we were asking them, would you stand with us? Would you stand against you know, the murder, uh, the slaughter of these little unborn babies? And not one of them cared at all about the little children. And I don't know who was, who, you know, contacted you, but one of the ladies actually flipped us off and we said, now is that for the babies? And she said, yes, it is. But it definitely so, wasn't the lady from that church. Well, she did tell us she has a personal relationship with Jesus. So, you know, you have to uh, see where we're coming from. Little children sure. are dying inside this building every day. No, and as a, as a culture, um, we not only allow it, but we, you know, we encourage it. Um, we have Planned Parenthood going into the public schools. It's encouraged. And as the church, what are we doing, you know, to stop the no, murder, absolutely. the slaughter I, of little boys I'm, and girls? I'm with you on that, but I think I have someone in my church who's a professed believer in Christ, mm -hmm. who is pro-life who is absolutely terrified and feeling heat shame upon her from people that she doesn't know. And I'm worried that your tactics are actually dividing uh, Christians more so than they are affecting people with love to convince them of God's well, love. And we absolutely are all love. about love. We're all about justice and love. Justice for the, the murder of these little babies. Love for their moms and for these babies. Mm -hmm. We encourage Christians to come alongside and to get involved in this fight. We believe every Christian is commanded by God um, the Bible tells us to rescue those who are being led away to death, hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. So as Christians, we have to get involved in this. And mm -hmm. so if she's a Christian, she shouldn't be terrified. We're not yelling and screaming at anybody. That's how it was perceived by her. You know, that, that she, that you we're, guys were yelling at her and that you were filming people coming out of this. Yes, studio. we were filming. We do film on yeah. the advice it, of our attorney. The, and what does the filming of people coming out of yoga studio accomplish? Well, what we want to do is, as it says in Proverbs 31, speak up on behalf of those who have no voice. Right. So these children have no voice. Right. And we were just talking that, as a matter of fact, so it's interesting. You're, is your church here in this neighborhood? Yeah, we're just on Okay. So we were commenting on how every time we come out here, people from the neighborhood are constantly criticizing us for speaking up on behalf of the children. And they're perfectly fine and silent about what's happening in this place. I think place. that's the problem. It seems like you're you're dividing a line. It's like if people aren't complicit in what you're doing and the way that you're approaching this because of the way that you feel like God's leading you to do this, and I'm not disavowing that, if they're not doing it the same way you are, then obviously they're the enemy and they're on the other side. I think that's the problem. Well, we're asking Christians to repent with us. Uh -huh. You know, as but I don't think for everybody repentance looks like standing on a sidewalk and holding signs. So what, what and does yelling at people? What does repentance look like? To I you? think repentance looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Primarily, repentance is an act of prayer, and I think that there are many ways in which people are continuing to fight the good fight for being pro-life at all ends, and it's not reduced to protesting with signs. And I think, furthermore, it actually pushes people away from God when they feel like they're being yelled at by people and being shamed or made to feel guilty for what they're doing, rather than the, the invitation to repentance, which, as you guys probably know, in the Hebrew sense of the word, is to turn back and to come to the path, to come back to God, like the prodigal child. In the New Testament, the word in the Greek is about, you know, changing the way that you think, which comes through a transformative encounter with Christ. And I have someone in my own church who's feeling shame for something she didn't even, 
she wasn't even aware of so coming out of the yoga studio. So what was her response when she came out here and we're showing her she what's just, happening? She said she drove away shaking and she almost got in a car accident because she was so overwhelmed by the shit. By what happens inside here? She's overwhelmed no, by, by this? No, by... This is what should offend us. We should be offended by She was by offended this. by her sisters in Christ. Who she, she did doesn't, not treat so, as a sister in Christ. She did she not was come just walking over. Down the street. She didn't communicate right, that to us. She, so, she was so overwhelmed coming out of a studio being yelled at and but being But, Ryan, filmed. we were here when they were going in. Okay. Okay, so when that class that just came out, when they were going in, we're standing out here and we're saying, did you know this is what's happening inside here? Not one single person yeah. who was going in responded yeah. the way a Christian should respond when they're finding out that this is what's happening, you know, across the street. The Not tragedy here is, is that the true victims are being ignored, even in our conversation. You, Brian, you came right. over here to criticize and to defend your, your parishioners yeah. and, and to criticize what we're doing, and yet you have overlooked. Shouldn't this picture have caused you and us to... Once again, out of, out of love. You, you love you're ignoring the true victims here. Who are the yeah. true victims? Well, by that logic, can you verbalize that? Yeah, the Absolutely. true victims are the unborn. But by that logic, if we're not talking about immigrants, if we're not talking about the war in Syria, in this conversation, then we're also ignoring those things. You see what I'm saying? No, because we were pointing out the fact that these are the true victims here. And, right. and I'm not disavowing that, but I'm saying there's a different conversation I'm trying to have with you guys to say that there are people from my church reporting to me that they're feeling overwhelmed by shame because they're being yelled at and filmed without their permission, which I think is probably different than what your lawyer is encouraging you to no. do. No, it's legal out here. Right. I'm they're not a, saying that it's not legal. I'm, just, it's, I'm not saying it's not legal. It's we not. We get death threats. We get people I, yeah, riding sure. past us talking. You know, so we've been encouraged and, and told by our attorney that we should always be filming in any encounter that, you know, we're You know, Brian. There. Ryan. Ryan, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I want to be accurate about that. Uh, it's a shame. This is the first time we've seen you here. And these children are being killed in, in your neighborhood. We were just talking about this, how this neighborhood has an atmosphere of you know, uh, resistance against us who are, we're just, we're not hurting anybody. We would never, I would rather die you than are, hurt anybody. You are hurting people. No. And that's why specifically why I came over here. We are merely speaking the truth, Ryan. It's understandable, but a woman who Do you speak the truth? Do you ever Christ, stand here? Sad. And so the sad? People, the people with These her, babies don't I, get to walk away. I, I understand that. I absolutely understand that. But what is our goal here but not to make other disciples, to make people, make other people understand the love of Christ? And if that's not communicated, then this, whatever you're saying here, goes by the wayside. I, I gotta stop it here because that is just, that's just not true. That is just simply not true. I, you know, if you just watch this video, um, it, it's, it, the women do such an amazing job of defending the unborn against this, this pietistic Christianity, which says that, hey, if you're not, if you're not uh, defending all the issues, then you may as well not defend one issue. Because as soon as you want to defend one issue, you're saying that the rest of the issues aren't as important. That's that's this kind of pietistic nonsense that, that they've come up against here. But when he says this here, he comes out and he says, uh, this is not the pastor, but this is the pastor's friend. You know, uh, you know, we're out here, we're trying to, we're trying to make disciples and... Uh, you know, that's what this is all about. We're trying to show the love of Christ, and you know, and, and as soon as people don't know that you're trying to love them, then what you're doing 
is you know it's it's worthless pretty much. It, you know, it's not going to work. I want to bring up to you three examples uh, in the scriptures where th- that's just simply not true. It's it's just not true at all. Okay, first off, we have in Luke four when. Um, Jesus Christ reads the scroll of Isaiah. I'll start off in uh, verse 20, in Luke 4, verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet of Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through the midst, he went away. Now, now tell me where Jesus was all about the conversation here. He was all about, you know, engaging one-on-one here. Tell, tell me where, at what point, that Jesus Christ sacrificed the truth, so the truth with these people so that he could maintain a relationship with them. He went from being the, you know, uh, you know the MVP, the, the VIP. It says all we're looking at him, they're hanging on his every word after he's, he read the scroll of Isaiah. They were all sitting down listening to him. He was like number one. Then he, then he gives them what for and tells them the truth, and they all want to kill him. Oh, Jesus, come on. Where, where's the dialogue? Where, where's the back and forth? You know, you just those people hate your guts now. Where, where did you communicate your love for them? This goes against everything that this pastor and his, his friends came out to, to, to scold these women for. It goes against everything. Jesus Christ sacrificed relationship for the truth on more than one occasion. He took no part in the weevil workings of darkness, but instead exposed it. And that's what he did at cost to the to relationships with the, having a personal relationship with those people. He sacrificed that so he could tell them what was going on and expose the wickedness that they were trying to hide up in that synagogue. We'll be back right after this. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. We're trying to communicate the love of Christ for these babies. Through communication and in love or in condemnation and shame. So do you want to ask you, how would you do it different? How do you do it? A how, conversation. How do well, you, a, great, how, a couple years ago, we had a single mom who was considering an abortion, and we, through talk, encouraged her not to do it, and we committed to coming alongside of her, helping her to raise her child alone, and several people in the church community take turns caring for him. And, and that's, that's what we do. Them. That's wonderful. That's what we do. We do that as well. We're, awesome. paying, we're paying the rent for moms who've chosen life. We're getting yeah. transportation, looking that's for great. a car for one. That's so great. that's one aspect of what it means. We actually call ourselves abolitionists, just like back in the days mm-hmm. of slavery. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There were abolitionists. And, you know, just want to give you some of this material that you can read. Um, 
but you know, um, the thing is, there's more that needs to be done. Sure. When little children every day of the week are being slaughtered right here in this building, yeah. if there are Christians living in this area, why aren't there Christians? Why are we having to drive 35, 45 minutes to come here to stand? Well, if there's a church here, if there's Christians here, why aren't they out here? You know, that's the thing. These are the little victims. These are the children who are being slaughtered, slaughtered, butchered inside this building. What are we as the church doing and about these so, children? So when you guys come out here, are you seeking to have conversations with these women to figure out what's yes. going on in them and everything? Yeah, they are. Every Appalachianist wants to have a conversation with the people. They love having conversations. Watch their videos. It, it, they do want to have the conversation. But it, that's not the first reason why they're out there. That's not – I don't go to the abortion clinics or what have you to protest so that I can have a back-and-forth dialogue. That would be great if that happened, and I, I, I want that to happen. But I'm not going to go if I have a conversation with – I mean I'm not going to not go because I don't have a conversation with anybody. If I walk away and say, well, I didn't talk to anybody, that was a big waste of time. You know, The conversation is a benefit, and it, it is a desired result, but it is not – the purpose. The purpose is to proclaim the truth, the gospel message, which comes into conflict with abortion naturally. It's not about having the conversation. That's not why they're out there. That would be great if they did. It's not, it's not all about here. It's not, they're not all out here to have a, a back and forth dialogue. Here's your back and forth dialogue. You want a back and forth dialogue? I'll give you a back and forth dialogue right now. John 6, there's a back and forth. Verse 65, this is Jesus talking, and he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it granted him by the Father. Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Now, Jesus, where was the dialogue? Well, where was the back and forth there? They, they just all walked away. They could have been listening to you this whole time, but you had to go and say that. He knew those people were going to turn away, but he said it anyway. Why, why did he do that? Isn't he all about the conversation, having the back and forth? He just turned away a whole bunch of people with, with a couple words that he said that could have benefited from his listening. But he was like, nope. I'm not going to sacrifice the truth to have a relationship with you. It's not going to happen. I'm going to sacrifice my relationship with you so that you can hear the truth. And that's exactly what they got. That's yes. the most effective way to do this. All I came over here to say, because I am not disagreeing with your heart, I am not disagreeing even with your tactics... My, my dad often points out here when it comes to these things that people off, will always say, well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, that you always hear that one. I, I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, well, actually, you kind of do. I think you kind of do actually disagree with the message because the message is, this is the message of all human abortion. One, one of their messages is, it's the job of the church, of the body of Christ to heal society. That's the purpose. It's the purpose of the church to get off its lazy butt and get out there and address the problems with society. That's the purpose. But this, according to this guy, when she said it's a shame that we've, this is the first time I've seen you here, according to him, it's not the job of the church to do that. Otherwise, he'd be out there doing it. He'd be acting on that belief. You do disagree with the message. The message, among many other things, is it's the church's responsibility to do something about this. We can't just sit back and elect the right politician. It's not working. It hasn't been working for the last 5 million years. Enough of that. The church has got to do something about this. He does disagree with the message. In terms of being vigilant, being sentinels here, because this is important. 
and it all begins with prayer, of course, and it technically begins with presence. I'm saying I merely heard from someone in my community who loves Jesus, who believes in your cause, that because of your tactics, she she almost got in a car accident because she was so shaken up. I'm so so my man here is arguing that he comes out there because one of his parishioners calls him and says, I'm so shaken up because of these people. So he marches down there and he addresses the problem without addressing the problem of an abortion clinic in his hometown. You don't hear the cry of the innocent children right down the street? You won't come down for them, but you'll come down for this woman who's crying because she saw a sign or somebody said something really, quote unquote, judgmental. I'm not buying it, man. I'm asking you to just consider the way that you're presenting yourself. Is it drawing people to recognize the love of God for the very children that you are advocating for? Or is it actually turning them away? Let's talk about turning people away. Let's keep talking about turning people away. Acts 17. Here's Paul. This is textbook protesting. If this isn't protesting, dude, I don't know what is. When he gets up in the... Uh, in the Areopagus in Acts 17, Paul addresses the people and he uses the word <gasps> repent. Uh-oh, buzzword. That's a big no-no among our churches these days. After he finishes his speech, verse 32, it says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. The result of what Paul said, even though he didn't have a dialogue, he just gave up. He gave a whole speech. As far as I know, he had no dialogue with anybody. He just stood up in the middle of them and called their attention without anyone inviting him to. He just said, check it out. This is what it's all about. God calls men everywhere to repent. And some people mocked. Clearly, his message pushed them away. And according to this pastor, that it wasn't worth it. We don't do what we do for the results. We're not about results. Results are great. The results are in God's hand. Are we a true Calvinist? Is my man here here a true Calvinist? Results are in God's hands. Why, why did we start caring? When, when did we start caring about the way that we are perceived? John 3. Remember, remember this verse? I remember this verse. I hardly ever hear it anymore, but I, I still remember it. In John 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Does anyone remember that verse? Does anyone remember that verse? I remember that verse. What a great verse that is. You can't have your kingdom increase and Christ's kingdom increase at the same time in this nation. It's not going to happen. At some point, if your kingdom keep, keeps increasing, it's going to be at the cost of God's kingdom in this nation. Because as soon as Christ's kingdom increases, people start to notice and they start to attack your kingdom and his kingdom. You can't have both at the same time. I must decrease. He must increase. Both are not, got news for you, both are not going to happen at the same time. You can't serve God and mammon. I think you're meant to polarize the situation. And that's all I came to say. I'm not interested in getting in a debate. And there he is, Mr. Conversation. He's not. He's here. I just came to talk to you. I came to talk at you. He reveals his true intentions. I came to scold you. I don't want to hear anything back. 
I'm not interested in getting in the debate. What would happen to Mr. Come on, Mr. Conversation? What happened to the, the, the dialogue? What happened to showing the love of Christ? No, he just showed up. I'm here to yell at you. That's it. I don't want to hear anything out back. True pastor uh, of an American church. Just just talking to and not talking with. I'm familiar with what happened during the Nazi Holocaust. Um, there, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but there was a church right by the train tracks. And okay, I'll, 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 no, 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 no. This is not in a. I didn't come over here to to defend my church and the our children. position and what we do. That's not what I came over here to do either. That's not the conversation that I'm trying to have. My man's all about conversation. He's all about trying to have a conversation with everybody. Look, these abolitionists—they want to have a conversation. They love when people go up and talk to them. They try to talk to people, but people don't want to talk. They don't want to talk. I'm trying to say. So why didn't you tell this lady? Uh -huh. Say, hey, listen, let's go over there together and let's talk to them because and stand she's with so, them she's so on behalf of these children. She is so it does shake a person. That it I say does that shake I would a come person. Over here and talk to you as a brother in Christ because we're on the same side. To what get us what about these little brothers and these little sisters I'm created come, in the image of God. Why do you laugh? I didn't come here to have a It's just an argument. It's, it's whatever. It, it is what is perceived. And it's sad that that's what's perceived. But the. the whatever is communicated to the people that are walking the women who are coming in here if they're not if they're not perceiving love then define love how, how many people perceived love when christ uh, uh cleansed the temple how many people perceive love when, when, he, when he's driving them out with with whips with with, with with a whip how many perceived love I, I'm, I'm telling you that there's just it, this this sounds like the the kind of people who say you got to be like Jesus. Well, you want to be like Jesus, you're gonna have to get crucified. And this is what getting crucified looks like: people flipping you off when you're standing outside and, and preaching the good news. That's what getting crucified looks like in our society nowadays. Having the dialogue, having the conversation, is is a, a good thing. But I'm but you should not be trying to sacrifice the truth to get there. Do not sacrifice the truth for relationships. Quite the opposite. You must sacrifice your relationship for truth. You want to be like Jesus? That's what he did. How, in the, how else in the world did he get crucified? How in the world did he get crucified? The examples I brought up. People wanted to kill him for the things he said. Does anybody remember that? Define love. Love is me, is me coming alongside you or but what does that look like when a, when a woman is getting out of her car and walking in here? And what does that look like? To I, I, I think it looks like here. having conversations. Love is no, it doesn't. It doesn't look like having conversations. That's a thing. What, what is it about the conversation here? Why are we trying to have a conversation with everybody? It is a good thing to have a conversation. That would be great. But if you don't have a conversation, that doesn't mean you failed. Too much emphasis on the conversation. Too much emphasis on relationships. The point I'm trying to make of this podcast is that the church right now is armed with resources to stop you from protesting. They are armed and they are ready. They are, they are positioning themselves to, to stop you from protesting. It's kind of this, a lot of times it comes out as passive aggressive. Sometimes it's not passive aggressive. It's just aggressive. There is protesting in the New Testament for all my Jesus and the apostles only people. There is protesting in the New Testament. Jesus Christ protested that synagogue. Paul protested the Areopagus. They sacrificed their relationships many times 
so that they could speak the truth of God's word. Are we just as willing to do that? We must decrease. He must increase. And with these women standing outside, even though that person flipped her off, even though the woman was shaken up, guess what? Christ was increased. I want to say that I'm not trying to communicate to you that unless you're standing outside an abortion clinic, you're not a true Christian or you're not doing the work of God. I'm not trying to say that. But can we at least pray for these people who do do it? Can we at least support them? Can we at least say to them, keep doing what you're doing? I'm praying for you. I, I, I hope the Lord blesses your work. I hope many people turn away. Can't you lift them up in your prayers? Can't you give to them financially? Can, can we at least do that? Because nobody, nobody's saying that. They're, they are condemning these people right and left. I understand that you can't be out in front of an abortion clinic, but there's a lot of people who can't do it. I understand that. But can you at least pray for these people? Can you at least lift them up in your prayers? This is what Reformation looks like, my friends. The church getting off its lazy butt and doing something about the abortion holocaust that's going on. Because if we can't even do something about the abortion holocaust, then it's just throwing the towel, man. If we can't even come together on this one and, and stand up as a voice together, united, forget it. Forget it. These people are doing the work of the Lord. Pray for them. Lift them up in your prayers. Give to them financially. Give them an encouraging word. And when they ask you to go protest with them, go protest with them. You'll learn a thing or two. You'll learn a thing or two real quick. You'll see how quickly your faith is tested when you go stand outside in front of an abortion clinic. Some people protest outside of schools. Some people uh, protest outside of churches. Go with them when they invite you. Pray for them. That is how. Christ will be increased in your life. You will, yes, you you will be decreased. That's that's for sure. Happens almost every time. You will see your life decrease. Nobody wants to see that. It's not fun. Nobody likes to doing it. The abolitionists do not take joy in that. Or I should say, the abolitionists don't take pleasure in that. But what I am saying is, if you believe that Christ must increase and that you must decrease. This is what it looks like. This is one of the things that it looks like, my friend. It looks like standing outside of these wicked places, taking no part in the evil workings of darkness, but instead exposing them. Pray for those people who do. If you can't do it, I understand. But pray for them. Thanks for listening, my friends. Be strong and courageous. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action 
for Christ and His kingdom.